Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test, the nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture?
Welcome to the Child Offering Series. It's under our human rights category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. That is jaef.foundation. In this series, I interview Melissa Zacharias, the founder of Us Connected, which is an organization focused on solving this issue of child offerings using a unique approach that we shall unroll during the course of this interview. The mission or mantra of the Jesus and Everything Foundation is to solve the root of the problem. And Melissa's approach towards this problem of child orphans is just that. Orphans are often seen as a social sector issue only. But prevention of children becoming orphans is a legal, economic, education, infrastructure, and healthcare not to mention social awareness or sexual education issue. This problem is integrated into many other industries, environment, government, urbanization, healthcare, culture, and world peace. In this series, we'll cover a wide range of topics relating to the problem of child offerings, such as what is the main cause of child offerings? We'll look at an ideal vision or goal for us as a community, what are the solutions, obstacles? And Melissa will walk us through how we can approach this problem with a prevention and intervention approach. The objective of this series is to first bring awareness to a problem that most people do not have on their radar as a serious problem, perhaps because it's not a problem that majority of the population deals with, but actually this is a problem that cascades into our daily lives as it affects many areas of our day-to-day -day lives that we might not even be aware of. For instance, we could have child orphans as a result of infrastructure not being able to withstand natural hazards. Such a cause is directly related to government policy and regulation for infrastructure. Child orphans as a result of sex work is primarily linked to lack of employment. So awareness of this problem of child offerings is step one. The other objective is to equip all of us listeners on how we can get involved. Following this, we'll be figuring out how we can partner with Melissa Zacharias and her organization as connected because child offerings are a community issue as you will later on find out during this interview and this problem requires all hands on deck. So in case you're ready to help when you finish listening to this interview, you can contact us through our website, jf.foundation, that is J-A-E-F.foundation, and we'll put you in touch with Melissa. Thank you.
episode one of the Child Orphan series. In this episode, I discuss with our guest, Melissa Zacharias, who's the founder of Us Connected, an organization focusing on solving this problem of child orphans. In this episode, Melissa shares what she believes is the main cause of child orphans. We hope this episode blesses your heart. Open up your heart and mind, and let's dive in. The mission or mantra of the Jesus and Everything Foundation is to solve root problems. And today, it's an honor to interview someone who's working towards solving a root problem for a very important sector in our world today. Her name is Melissa Zacharias, and she's working on solving the issue, this issue of child offerings. And I have to be honest, the more that I listen to Melissa speak about this problem, the more confident I get that we may be able to disseminate, I believe, close to 80% of this problem. Melissa, if you can help us eliminate 80% of this problem of child orphans, this world will be a much better place, that's for sure. This problem has cascading effects, but I think the reason it's ignored is that the majority of the population is born outside the problem. So it's not a close to home problem for many people. But the problem that you're going after is one that organizations like the United Nations still grapple with. But after talking to you about it, you've peeled it back in many ways I had never thought of it. And what I really love about your approach is you're going at the root of this problem, which is what the Jesus and Everything Foundation is about, solving root problems. 
the common mentality out there is people, organizations, and governments, for some reason, are not trying to completely eradicate problems. And I believe the main reason this happens is that it would force a restructuring. It would necessitate breaking the old way of doing things. And people are naturally just resistant to change, even when it's clearly needed. I grew up in Uganda. Uganda has a big problem with child orphans. So for the record, on behalf of Uganda, put Uganda on that list of beneficiaries of your profound approach to this problem. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Melissa to the show. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thanks, Calvin. Happy to be here. Well, um, this is probably a question that uh, the first question that I want to get into before we really talk about, you know, child orphans and all of this is just from talking to you, you are very passionate about this problem. So the first question I have for you is where does passion come from? Where, what ignited this passion, this desire to go after this problem? Uh, yeah, that's a good uh, solid question. I think that um, for a lot of people, when they're passionate about something, it's because something personal happened to them. Uh, and so there was times in my life where um, I wasn't orphaned. I grew, I grew up with uh, two parents in my life, but there were moments where I felt orphaned because both of them were working. Uh, they were taking care of others. Um, and so there were moments where, you know, I felt alone to defend myself against the world. But also when I was about 14, I went on a trip, uh, a missions trip uh, to Guatemala. And there I saw two different types of orphanages. And that started to, I didn't know it back then, but that started to get my heart and brain going um, and see it firsthand how uh, children are affected by these um, realities that they're faced essentially alone in the world. And even though um, the two orphanages that I saw in Guatemala, one was one ran really well and the other was doing the best that they could. Um, and just seeing the, the disparity between the two, I think really uh, planted a seed. And then when I was 18 again, I um, went to work in Costa Rica and there I was working as a maintenance crew worker for about a month there and attached to um, the grounds was an orphanage and it was a really well-run orphanage. Um, and I, and I, and it's a, it's a hybrid between a foster care system and an orphanage. And I just thought the, the, the business model uh, that they had set in place was really uh, profound. Again, not mm -hmm. something that I really understood back then when I was just 18 coming out of high school. Um, but it's also one of the problems that when children become orphans, um, you know, there's a saying, uh, children are, are, are resilient. And, yeah. and children are, and I think oftentimes we say that because we don't know what, how to intervene in a children's life or a child's life, um, particularly when we might be the cause of some um, trauma or uh, misunderstanding or experience of trauma. Not that there was actually maybe a trauma, but that 
the child experienced that situation as a trauma. But essentially, a child is resilient when the environment is safe enough for them to be resilient. Um, and and so in, when when people say that, and then we, um, so many adults grow up and they are they realize that they need to go to counseling for everything that happened in their childhood, right? So um, we come to this place in our lives where we're like, oh, I there was a bunch of things that happened in my childhood and I haven't dealt with it. Now I need to go back to counseling to address all mm -hmm. the things that happened when I was a child. And so we need to look at children, and I think many of us do, we, we understand that children need safety, they need protection, they need the basic essential um, like their basic needs met. But as soon as a, a child becomes an adult, we assume that they have the, the know-how to deal with life, to pick up their socks, to get a job, to get the skills. Um, and really so much of what we're seeing with the addiction crisis, the homeless crisis is, is a mixture of, um, of, and I'm kind of getting into the the nuts and bolts of this rather than your simple question, but <laughs> it's hard not to because my brain gets there so quickly. But um, just, just go, just go with the flow. You, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah. So I think the homeless crisis, um, the the addiction crisis, the mental health. It's it's not just like it's very much interconnected with a lot of the different uh, systems within our society. Um, but I do think it, it, we could, we could address a lot of it globally if we supported children better. Um, and so there's a part of me that just doesn't understand why we haven't addressed this issue. Why have we not solved the issue of children becoming orphans and, and orphans, uh, quickly getting them into a safe, healthy home? Because there are plenty of families willing and ready to adopt. Um, and so, yeah, so the, it's about uh, reducing the number of children that become orphans, um, creating prevention measures, and then intervention um, approaches as well. Well, I, I can't say that at 18, I was probably thinking of looking at the world that you, in, in, in the sense of the way, you, you know, at 18, you're already being challenged and already thinking, how can we deal with this problem? Because you almost... I'm not going to say you had a first-hand experience, but you were in an area where you, where that was going on. Mm. And it's, you touched on so many things. You, you're talking about when we become adults, then we start to get counseling for the things that affected us in our childhood. And it's almost like, why do we wait until, you know, we, we get old? Like, why don't we deal with these things when we're still young. And one of the other things that was that you mentioned was about resilience. You say that uh, it's actually the environment that builds that into someone. Mm. And, I, and I think most of the time people just expect people to just kind of be resilient, but it's almost like the environment around you kind of helps you adopt that mentality. Y yeah, and I there are very... Uh, like many times I hear, you know, um, 
well, this one person, they, they grew up with a tough life. And so they bounced and they became, you know, um, for instance, Will Smith, he grew up with a, in a tough life and a, and a background and he wasn't, um, he didn't grow up in a safe community. It was really challenging. He didn't grow up with a lot of money, but he, he made a significant success of his life. Um, and so the question of, well, why can't everybody do that? Everybody who, you know, grows up, why can't they, um, make a success of their life? And, and I think it takes, um, some really, I, I think looking and hearing about his stories, it wasn't, um, and his just is an example, but, um, he had people in his life. Um, you know, he has grandmother supporting him and giving him wisdom and, you know, and grounding him in that wisdom. Um, and, and so he had a, he had an environment that supported his development years and, um, and really supported him through, um, uh, mitigating those vulnerabilities, like living in a dangerous neighborhood. And, and it was, you know, easier to become a part of a gang than actually go to school. Um, and so I think, um, yeah, there's a lot of pieces involved in, um, in creating resiliency in a child's life, but certainly, yeah, certainly there's a component that supports the development so that, you know, when we, when we uh, when we fall down and we scrape our knee, uh, we need, we need, uh, antiseptic, we need a bandaid. Um, and if we don't have that, then it gets corroded. And that's the same for our, our minds and our souls. If we don't have somebody to talk through something that really impacted us, it festers and it becomes a way of seeing the world through that lens rather than unpacking it, understanding it and addressing it differently. And, and, you know, not, uh, creating a perpetual cycle of, of hurt and disconnect. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, you, there's so many follow-up questions to this. It's almost like, um, shall we be able to cover everything that we, that we would like to cover? So, that 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 is a no. We can't cover everything about the subject. <laughs> we know, we're not going to cover everything about how to solve. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, sorry, you're not going to be able to get the full uh, blueprint. You're gonna you're gonna have to come back and listen. Yeah. So just from your opinion, um, someone says, "Well, what's the main cause for child orphans? What, what just kind of peel peel that back for us?" Sure. So um, I. So if I were to sum it up in one word, I'd say it's systems. Um, and so that's from government systems, economic systems, um, even you know infrastructure and how a city is built. That's a, an important component to reducing the number of children who become orphaned. And then we go down and further and we have um, community systems and, and the connection that we have as a community. And I think in that uh, it's really important to have a strong community um, and that's essential, particularly when the parents themselves don't have the skills or economic, um, uh, means to take care of children. Or, um, if someone got pregnant, a woman got pregnant and she doesn't know what to do with that child and she wasn't prepared for it. Um, all of those, all of the things that a child would need in order to be resilient requires a strong, healthy community. And, and a strong, healthy community is one that understands shame and understands uh, connection and, and essentially uh, all the components that really make up love 
And so love, to, to me, people talk about love and I just, I don't think the English language in particular, I don't, I don't know about other languages, but uh, English in particular doesn't have enough descriptors of love to really understand the intricacies of of the different, like we have agape, which is, you know, the friendship, love, but we don't really have like love as a feeling, love as a behavior. And um, as well as what is incorporated in love, that love has integrity, it has, it has boundaries. And so making a healthy community for children to grow up is, is all a part of those pieces. Um, yeah, I think, but I think ultimately the, the, I was going to, if I could say one word to say that yeah, it, right. it's systems, but for the the main driver for children becoming orphans, as I would say, systems at a community level. So systems that are broken and systems that are not able to support, for instance, the, for instance, you, you're talking about, let's say someone, you know, someone gets pregnant, you know, um, probably we can get into this right now. For instance, like uh, sex workers. Mm -hmm. So we know that that's a contributor to uh, child orphans. Mm -hmm. So you will drill that back to, well, the person, well, you know, the kind of work they were doing. Mm -hmm. Well, you're kind of saying the system failed them. Mm. Is that is that is that how you? Because we're looking at systems. So what 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 is the broken system? Let's say for someone who was who became an orphan through sex work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is the broken system? So, um, so there's there's a lot, right? So it's systems in, interconnected. But yeah. when let's say the economic system fails. Uh, and so a woman uh, doesn't have the skills in order to access the labor market, um, or she has the skills, but she just can't access the labor market for whatever reason uh, in that particular country, in that economic time, she just can't like access it. So she's in a place to, that needs to survive, uh, where she needs to survive. And uh, oftentimes in sex work, uh, a woman is given more money from a man not to use a condom. And she needs that money in order to do basic survival uh, and meet her basic needs. Now, in also in many countries, um, it's pretty shaming to be a sex worker. And so even in many circumstances when a woman is ready to, uh, and finds opportunity to get out of that business, um, and I'm, and I'm being very specific in calling it a business because if I call it something else that perpetuate, perpetuates the shame of that work um, yeah. and that situation in her life. And so uh, when she's ready to leave and she sees an opportunity to leave, there are many times when organizations or uh, people within the community, because of what she's done to survive, she can't get out of it. They won't accept her. They won't bring her back into the community. They won't draw a line in the sand and say those who, you know, cast the first stone or those who, you know, have sinned or uh, cast the first stone, um, they're very much ready to push her out and keep her out. And that keeps people in a, in a system that keeps women in a system um, where they're constantly in a, in a really uh, difficult 
um, position to continue on. And many of them die from uh, an STI. Many of them die from um, uh, suicide, drug abuse, um, just to just to make the day work. But also many of them have babies and they put those babies on the side of the road. It's hopefully somebody finds that baby um, and takes them into an orphanage. But those orphanages typically are overrun. They don't have enough workers and they don't have any connections or very few connections to um, getting those babies into um, homes, actual foster care homes or adoptive homes. And so those children end up being in um, an orphanage for the majority of their life. And then once again, these women that are growing up in an orphanage, they become teenagers what else is there because they haven't gained any skills? What else is there but sex work again? And many of these people are trafficked, um, particularly, um, not particularly, but um, in one instance um, in um, Eastern Europe, um, they go straight from the orphanages to the vans of pimps. And vans uh, with pimps in them are sitting outside the orphanages ready for teenagers to be released from the orphanage so that they can be picked up and taken into sex work. Um, and so there is a perpetual cycle and, and many times it's not, you know, it, it's this idea that they've done something wrong. The, the bare minimum is that they had sex outside of marriage, right? From a Christian perspective, it's it's that they sinned outside of marriage. And so, um, and, and not to mention, they likely have an STI uh, that's dangerous mm -hmm. to other people or, and it's likely that they've had a baby and abandoned that baby. Um, and so all of those pieces of shame are written on people's faces from organizations and community members that really, that really unfortunately support uh, a woman to not seek help beyond asking for it, then seeing the shame on a, a worker or a community member's face, turning away and, and remaining disconnected from support and help. Um, and so that's the that's the part where I think we um, we want in we want this ideal family where people don't have sex outside of marriage. They have you know they get married they. Uh, they have children, um, but we're, we're dealing with reality and the reality is that people are needing to survive. Um, and so these ideas that we have about sex before marriage and, and the shame that we often have in our own communities about that sometimes get uh, filtered down into women who have had to do sex work just to survive. There's also another component to this, and that is there are a lot of educated women who are in university and they don't have sexual education and because they don't have sexual education and their community uh, frowns upon them having, having a baby outside of marriage, not even sex outside of marriage, but a baby outside of marriage, they don't know how to raise that child. Um, and so they abandon that child, even though they're going for their masters and whatever. Um, and they just simply did not know that a condom would have stopped that or they felt the pressure from the man to not use the condom. Um, and so I think that there's, there's, a, there's that community system of not wanting to talk about sex, not wanting to talk about safe sex, um, as well as um, when a woman has gone through, you know, um, a really traumatic, like 
like understanding that out for many and most women who go into sex work, it's a traumatic experience. It's traumatizing to have to sell your body just to survive. Um, and so I think that disconnect and that shaming often feeds into the, the, the cycle of it. Um, yeah, I think that that's one of the biggest causes of it continuing on, um, as well as any sort of, um, prevention is that sex education piece. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different components to this. It's not like, there's not one piece or one, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's really does come down to, um, um, an interconnected multiple way of strategic approach that needs to happen. But I think, um, a significant, um, a significant resolver of children becoming orphan would be on that community level. And I think the church has a really important role to play in that in, in ensuring that, you know, we're expressing the love of, of Christ from a place of, of, of love of, uh, you know, of just acceptance, absolute positive, full acceptance, full grace, um, without and having worked out like i think each person needs to evaluate their own level of shame within a particular subject what comes up for yeah. them for them and and really um yeah just really understanding what their own perceptions and biases are in regards to sex work is i think is a huge uh, starting point no um just to just to add to, to to what you just said about the role that the church has to play with this mm -hmm. is um I think one of the places, one of the areas that the church has really failed, in my opinion, is the church. I, I look at the church as a hospital. Mm. Yes, fair enough. The goal is to get people into the hospital, have them cured, and then mm. out of the hospital. Mm. And the church is supposed to be the place where, you know, sick people come to. Mm. Um, you know, someone who it's supposed to be like, let's say if someone has been shunned by their community you know someone ended up in sex work and mm. now they have a child that you know the first place that they think of running to is the church mm -hmm. because the church is supposed to be filled with that agape love that love of god that is that that is yes he's righteous but he's forgiving mm. right um i mean that example of the woman at the well where Jesus tells her, says, well, where's your husband? And, and she's like, I, I, I don't have, like, 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 I don't have, he's like, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the last four you were with were not your husbands. Mm -hmm. And even the one you're, you're with right now is not your husband. Mm -hmm. But he, he, he showered her with love. Like mm -hmm. he talked to her with love. And then the, you know, the, the you know when they brought the woman who was caught in adultery and they didn't bring the man but they only brought the woman and and you know he said whoever has no sin cast the first stone the church is supposed to be a place where these people feel like they can come to mm -hmm. where where they where they they just get the healing that you know it's the, the healing that you need for your soul mm -hmm. and you just kind of talking about all of this and the trauma of all these people. And I'm just thinking, you know, if the community just turns its, 
you know, back on you, like, where else are you going to go? Like, that's, that, that's a pretty, Mm. I, I wouldn't even wish it on just thinking about it. Honestly, I'm just trying to picture that someone actually has to go through that. And yes, the church does have a role to play. We're supposed to be welcoming to, you know, people who are going through things like this. Yeah. But, uh, so we understand how the church can affect, you know, how the love of the church can play a role. Now, I know we're in the subject of sex work, and I think it's uh, it's one that is uh, plaguing society. And so one of the really interesting things that when we were talking about this, um, you, you, you brought up something, I'll just call it a philosophy, your philosophy. Well, we'll coin it that. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it this way. But you, you were telling me that there's, uh, that we should look at things more of like prevention and intervention. Ah, uh, yeah. So, and one of the things you, you know, you, 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 you were really prompting me to that, that we should think along these lines, where, you know, we should distribute resources both towards kind of like you know preventing the issue, yeah, and then intervention. So. And the other really cool thing that I'd never really thought about is you say a natural hazard plus vulnerability is equal to a natural disaster. Yeah. I'd always just thought like, you know, natural disaster, natural disasters, like never really differentiated the two to say, hey, if there's no casualties, then it's not. Yeah. And so that's where you came in and you say that, uh, you know, systems that are broken, for instance, like infrastructure. Yeah. We have to start thinking about, you know, like these countries and where, where a lot of child orphans are caused by natural disasters. In the next episode, we'll continue the discussion with our guest, Melissa, on the subject of child orphans, its main cause, and how we can approach different causes of child orphans using prevention and intervention. This was episode one of the Child Orphan series. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.